And I'm Steph. And you're listening to The Thirst. You can find us online, Twitter, we're at The Thirst, Facebook.com forward slash The Thirst Pod. On Instagram, we're at The Thirst Pod, SoundCloud.com forward slash The Thirst Pod. You can find us on Apple Podcasts by searching for The Thirst, and we're also over on Spotify too. If you, you can find us there by searching for The Thirst as well. If you'd like to email us, you can do so. It's The Thirst Pod at gmail.com. We've also got our blog as well, which we'll sporadically update with links and references to things which we mention in the episodes. The URL for that is the thirst pod wordpress.com if you also check out the show notes as well there'll be a link to that there and other things um this is episode 31 31 is a film by rob zombie with a 35 percent rating on metacritic Ooh. which i haven't seen sounds amazing i've given up hope uh in life or about rob zombie rob zombie just an extreme guilty pleasure for me but also i'm not going to see this film fine i could only find a song called 31 today by amy mann oh okay um it's also the number of flavors of baskin robbins ice cream what's baskin robbins you never had baskin robbins ice cream no okay it's just 31 flavors though there are 31 flavors pretty wild yeah um also i'm 31 yes you are rihanna is 31 Zac Efron's 31. Is he? Yeah. Oh my God, didn't know Just that. brought it round to this episode. I thought I'd tie it in a neat little bow. What do you know? I know, um, lovely. So moving on to news for this episode. Yes. Um, we've taken a different approach this time. Yes, we've gone rogue because there wasn't really anything of interest that I wanted to talk about for a long amount of time. We well, talked about Met Gala. We did our Met Gala episode. Thanks for listening to that if you um, did. If, so you, that, if you didn't, you're If a you dick. didn't. But, there you go. but also maybe go back and listen to it. Totally should. It was from some fun times and we had some hot takes. So this time around, we've just gone for random internet conspiracies and also things that are on the internet generally. We yeah, things spe- what happened on the internet. Things what happened online. We spend a lot of time on the internet. Um, do we? Yes, we do. This podcast probably wouldn't exist if we didn't. No, it'd be very, it'd be very hard. Huh. It'd still exist because we could we could review things that we've seen in the cinema, maybe. But you mean it would be a serious podcast? Yeah. Huh. A serious analytical podcast. I mean, people wouldn't get to hear us talk about how much we want to bang it. I'd probably one. still do that. But mm. I would have less contextual info. Right, I wouldn't it's know what's happening. It wouldn't have my fingers on the cultural pulse. Exactly. So, um, Start with Jake. Let's do Should You Jake? Yeah, you do Jake. I feel like we're entering a very glorious period of Jake Gyllenhaal content, which will be like... Is it because he's been... Co- he's probably contractually obligated to post on social media well this is the thing we did talk about the fact that Jake Gyllenhaal has Instagram now my gut feeling is that this is so contractually tied into whatever he's doing with Marvel at the moment and I secretly hope that as soon as he stops it'll like, just drop off I feel earth. like as, as soon as the Far From Home press tour ends mm-hmm. he's just going to be he's like gonna see ya peace out do you think he is secretly enjoying it or do you think he hates it I think he secretly enjoys it did you watch any of those videos he posted from Mexico. Yes. The one where he's like wandering around. With yes. His, and he sort of he's forgets. He's loving it, isn't he? He forgets that he needs to say something. So yeah. he's just there. And then when he went for coffee, he went to the Frida Kahlo Museum. I think he is enjoying it secretly. I think he's secretly I think he's one of those people. I think pe- he hates himself and he's secretly enjoying I it. I think he's one of those people that spent a lot of years being like, ugh, I'm never going to lower myself The to internet. That. How low. And actually now he's like loving life. He's such a sucker for it. And we know he is because of this thing. So this thing that I've titled this, Does Jake Gyllenhaal Have a Cat? That is probably the hottest the hottest take of this. So I, this is an absolute cast. conspiracy theory, but a few... Um, was it last week? Must have been last week, wasn't it? Yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal Instagram storied a, 
a video of a cat. Yes. The cat is called Miss Fluffy Stiltskin. Yes. And so there was is this... Is it not Mr.? No, it's Ms. Wow. I know. Lots of misgendering of the cat, which I feel is very Oh my God, that's awful. Um, posted an Instagram story of this little kitten and everyone... And I was like... But my okay, my immediate reaction was like, "Oh my god, is that Taylor Swift's new cat?" Yeah, she I recently mean, got fair. a new cat, but I, Google confirmed it was not the cat. So we moved on from this. But it was like strange that he has posting this cat. He's extremely a dog person. He has yeah. a German Shepherd called Leo. Yeah, it's quite off the. So this seemed slightly strange, but the thing is, Jake follows this cat yeah. on Instagram. Not just in real He's life. Obviously, Instagram. <laughs> His Instagram storied the cat. He has been aggressive. Did he tag the cat then? Or did you yeah. just... Yeah, no, he tagged the cat. Um, he has been aggressively commenting on all of the cat's posts. Yeah. Right. So I, I personally went onto the cat's in- account. Yes. Um, my thoughts were, this is strange. Why is he Instagramming this cat? Yes. Is this his cat? Is this a cat that he got with that French model that he's dating that's quite younger than him is it her that's instagramming the cat not on the cat Um, some things about the cat it's very cute has a slightly flat face i don't i don't know the exact breed of the cat um but it's very adorable um it only follows one account that one account is cats the musical fair see this is also where my taylor swift theory had its origins because obviously taylor swift famously is in the upcoming film adaptation of Cats. Ooh. So I was like, huh. Imagine if they... Oh. No, I don't want to think about it because they're okay. not going back together. She was very clear about that in her album Red. Um, <laughs> so so this is like a thing I was thinking about and then I was like, oh my God, I can't believe that if this is a cat, then he's commenting on it and he's replying to himself as the cat. It's like he's sitting there doing this. Yes. So I... Or is it his friend's cat? Because I've seen that thing well, as well. Well, this is the thing. So I... I but that ruins the fun. I flagrantly tweeted out, has anyone written 1,500 words about Jake John Hornley's new cat? And then this was just picked up by quite a lot of people on the internet and then a lot of other people on the internet got deep internet in the sleuths. hole yeah. as well. So I wasn't the only one that was like sleuthing this. The thing was, this was being retweeted and liked by quite a lot of people. And then most people were like, oh my God, this is amazing. Oh my God. And then a couple of people were just like, you know, that's not his cat. That's his friend's cat. I found it. And I was like, okay, fine. So the theory is that actually the cat belongs to one of his friends, which mm-hmm. would make sense being, bearing in mind that a lot of these cat posts were happening at the same time as he was in Mexico. Yeah. So my brain didn't really think about that. It's um, okay, April. It's okay. I just feel like I spent... Of all the things I share on Twitter.com, I am slightly frustrated that this, was, um, the one this that... was the thing that got picked up. Like, my legacy is going to have been, like, fueling the rumour that Jake has a cat Instagram. Yes. So I've got a lot of mixed feelings about that. But I'm pretty sure it's probably not his cat, but I'm very here for Well, the cat I think content. we can pretend that it is his cat, though. That's always fun. In my brain, it's, in my brain, it's his cat. Yeah, I like that. I personally would like to see more of his dog on the internet, but that's fine. Okay, well, hopefully he hears this and gets the message. Jake, please post more pictures of your dog. Um, what yes. other things have been happening on the internet um, this week? Well, Twitter fueled more rumours, as if... It's never been used for that before. This is a... Yeah, this was one to come out of Met Gala that's pretty wild. Um, it's gone all quiet again now, so it's just making me sad because I need to know what's... I need to know what's happening. I just need to know. But last week, a bunch of gossip websites, and Twitter mostly, began speculating that Janelle Monet and Lupita Nyong'o were canoodling Bloody canoodling. They were canoodling. This first started after former Teen Vogue EIC journalist and fashion influencer Elaine Welroth, Welchroth, shared a picture of the two. No, it was a video of the two uh, grinding and dancing on Instagram stories. Um, and then there was also a picture of them looking real close. Real tight. Um, so, yeah, Twitter was aflame. Everyone was like, holy shit, Lapita and Janelle are a thing. But if they're a thing, that means Janelle and Tessa aren't a thing. Right. So Janelle and Tessa appear to have broken up whether 
The other stuff is true. What we do know is that Janelle and Tessa have unfollowed each other. This makes me so sad. So the thing is, I felt like this, like Lupita and Janelle news, completely buried the fact that Tessa and Janelle. Yes, in order to reach that point, it means Janelle and Tessa are no longer a thing. And as much as I would like Janelle and Lupita to canoodle, because that sounds like fucking. Who wouldn't want to canoodle? That also means I have to sacrifice Tessa and Janelle. So this was just all a lot because it was like, what what scenario is better here? I just don't know. It makes me really sad that Tessa and Janelle aren't canoodling anymore. Right. And just to so the point where, like, it. they would unfollow each other. I, That's quite severe. Do you know what, right? It takes a lot for me to unfollow someone these days. Right? They have to really urge me. I follow me. loads of people I don't like. Sorry, guys. Just... You just mute. Right? Just and they, mute they unfollowed. But then it got even worse. And by worse, I mean better. <laughs> because Janelle had also unfollowed Brie Larson. So now people are wondering if Brie and Tessa are also a thing. I mean... I'm here for it. Yes. And I think the only way in which I would not be upset as much about Janelle and Tessa, although they are still the peak couple, is if Janelle and Lapita and Brie and Tessa were a thing. Because then that's four people I really like doing great things Do you mean together. like in a four-way polyamorous relationship? Um, or just separately but friends? Well, the polyamorous relationship would obviously be the peak pa- But do you mean like those two pairings But practically speaking, the two pairings. Like... It'd be four great people having a great time. Like you wouldn't feel that bummed out about... Tessa. If they're both in happy relationships with people that I also think are great. Yeah, because you wouldn't feel that bummed about Tessa because you know she's got great. Yeah. I mean, the thing that this for and me... And there, there's some amazing pairings there. I hadn't realised that Brie Larson had split up with her partner. No, that was just before as well. It was all timed, very... He, yeah. um, they'd been engaged for some time. He was in that band Phantom Planet. Oh, no. That did the um, California Become. Yeah, yeah. California. Is yeah. that the only song they ever did? Uh, they have got an album. I listened to it. Oh, okay. For a while, when the OC was a thing. Oh, okay, fine. Yeah, that's within its moment. Only that's because, fine. fact, is that yeah, Jason... But also Jason Schwartzman was a drummer in Phantom Planet for a while. That's a little oh. thing there. Anyway, Brie oh. and her partner Alex, they broke off their engagement, but I think it was public knowledge, but I don't think it was anything that I was particularly. It certainly aware hadn't of. reached us. Yeah. Um, but I mean in the like a ranking of like those four and who I'm most interested in, Brie would probably be at the bottom. But Okay, that's um fine. I think Janelle I think Janelle would be at the top. I just find Janelle Monet such an interesting person. I think it would be Janelle, Tessa, Lapita. Not that I need to rank them at all, because they'd still be better than most people on the whole planet. But Um, anyway... My favourite thing was that, like, when I went on Twitter to try and find any of this, like, information, that the fact that... Like, you know when you put on Twitter, when you put in, like, some search terms... start typing in Janelle, and it's like, Janelle Lapita. And it was like, Janelle Lapita, Brie Tessa, or, like, variations of that, and it was quite funny. Everyone's just typing away at the same time, like... Tessa Thompson and Brie Larson, over the course of this kind of recent run of, like, Mm Marvel-related press tourings and stuff, they have been, like, buddying up, and they've been quite outspoken about how, like, there was something... I can't remember what interview it was or what press thing it was, but... Brie had mentioned about how like oh yeah I'd like love like a Valkyrie Captain Marvel like I totally ship them like talking about it quite explicitly like that so I don't know man well we would you know I wouldn't mind it I definitely would be here for it I mean I'd be extremely here for it yeah me too and you know I mean Janelle and Lupita have known each other for a while so they could just be canoodling because they're close friends so whatever but yeah I also like to think that also did you know that Lupita was also rumoured to be dating Danai for a while oh I did know that I think actually these are all things that that might have been confirmed are extremely pleasing to me oh, I love so, this um, I live for this shit that's all that's like rumour stuff that we're really into however it hasn't really the first person I messaged as soon as I saw this news was um, my friend Paisley 
Was she just extremely excited? I was like, Paisley, have you heard this? And she was like, my brain is melting as we speak. It's a lot. It hasn't really progressed, though, so I don't know if we're going to hear much more. But, however, nice to spend some time in that moment. Another thing that's happened on that their internet. Yes, um, on the internet. Do you know what? Social media sometimes is like the absolute worst. And then sometimes it just provides you with like such... The content you need. Nuggets of content, which just give you life. Um, Jason Momoa. Yes, who I didn't think we'd be like... I Um, mean, Jason Momoa's fine. He's fine. I've... I've said, I think, before that I'm, like, not bothered by him no, in the fine. sense that, like, he's fine. Yeah. But also, like... I mean, I wouldn't say no. I think I... But I wouldn't watch anything specifically because it's got Jason Momoa in. No, that's not, like, my... You that's vibe. not my vibe. But a thing that you brought to my attention, actually... Yes. ...is um his Instagram stories. I might, I might have <laughs> I might have been looking at the Timothy Chalamet hashtag. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, Jason Momoa has been posting some stories from Budapest where they're filming June. And there was a lovely video of him and Oscar Isaac. I can't cope at the moment with Isaac how handsome Oscar Isaac looks. With the beard. Jesus Christ. It's like beard salt, and cap. Salt and pepper yeah, he's, dad. Yeah, he's total dad vibes, isn't he? Doing a sing song. They're outside somewhere. I can't remember now, but it's... they're an outside concert, aren't they? Just looks lovely. And then there's been a couple of things. There was a, a short video the other day of a bunch of them together and Timmy's there and Timmy, like, hides himself under his hat, which was... It's just... Who knew I'd be dropping in on Jason Momoa's Instagram story so regularly? It's quite funny to me that, like... So there's lots and lots and lots of people in that June cast that we like. Mm-hmm. But, like, what I've enjoyed is sort of the way that people have paired off... Paired off. ...in Little Buddies. Either, either because they've Oscar got... Oscar and Jason. Either because they've got existing relationships or just because, like, no, they maybe have downtime at the same time. Right. So they just become buds and hang out. And truly the idea of Jason Momoa, who's, like... Six foot tall, Huge. built like a brick shit yeah. house, like massive guy yeah. hanging out with Oscar Isaac, who is like notoriously quite short. Oh, it's truly like oh. a little double act so I cute. love thinking about. So it was this, th- these were the things you kept sending them to me, and I was like, these are too much. I, just I know, can't. there was so much, there was just pure joy. It was really, really good. Um, and also, Brian, Timmy's agent, the other day posted a picture of himself and Timmy in the reflection of a window in Budapest, which was also very exciting because it's the first bit of Timmy content we've had in quite a while desperate. and the drought is particularly thirsty. desperate gagging oh just too much too much our final thing what happened on the internet recently as recent as yesterday as recent i believe yesterday. or actually thursday night to be exact variety reported that rob pattinson sorry that- did you just call him rob rob close personal friend rob rob robert pattinson sorry aka edward cullen was in final talks to be Batman in Matt Reeves's forthcoming film scheduled for June 2021. While sources say it's not yet a done deal, Panson is the top choice and it's expected to close shortly. Warner Brothers had no comment. Deadline was also reporting that they're wavering between Rob Panson and Nicholas Holt. No. Nope. No. Hard <laughs> Hard no. no. Sorry, Nicholas. But the idea of Rob Panson as Batman was appealing to me. I'm into it. I'm there. I'm here. I mean... Opening night. <laughs> indie King Rob... So his wh- career has been just fascinating. What's to watch, been really. really interesting is seeing the online backlash to this. It's been giving me life because the no amount- one on my feed has had any backlash because no, I'm the best people. Not but f- I know that not specifically on my timeline, but just like generally, you did deep enough. Really. The internet's getting into like it's mostly like. Is it because he was in Twilight? Yeah, it's it's ag- Aggie men getting irate because he was in Twilight. I mean, actually, but do they you- understand that Twilight's actually a really good film? 
Twilight is a legitimately good film. Also, if you look at like Robert Pattinson's film history over the last like decade, oh my god, it's been so good. He's been so so. He's Indie King. He's Indie King, and actually, I think that he, if they're going to be going in like a new grittier, I imagine, direction, given Mm -hmm. that that Joker is coming up at the end of this year, and that's meant to have like a different, different, different vibe. The DC universe is wavering slightly. They've not had their best films. No, they haven't. They need to pull one out of the bag, really, don't they? Ben Affleck is Batman. I would I mean hard pass for me absolute hard pass for me and Matt Reeves is sort of he's directed Cloverfield Let Me In um, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and Wolf of the Planet of the Apes and those well the two Planet of the Apes films were really good Mm -hmm. actually Um, and they were the strongest ones I just like Robert Pattinson yeah so do I I mean and I I also don't think that he's someone now in his career where he is at that would say yes and to many he, mainstream things unless he thought it was yeah unless he thought it was worthwhile I mean my fu- the funniest thing about this was that so Von was the one that cos- cascaded the info to us I was fast asleep well this always wh- happens when I'm asleep this is what's funny is so I woke up in the middle of the night and I happened to check my phone and I saw multiple messages from Von freaking out being like why are you asleep when this is happening blah blah the funniest thing is that I managed to read all of these respond coherently yeah. then go on Twitter then retweet the link <laughs> On my podcast account Good. whilst half a Well done. So truly my commitment to the patents and cause. I'm here for it. Me too. I think he's, he's great. you know, he's pretty weird. So again, that could be a different he's take. So weird. That could be a different take for Batman. Because we've had quite a dark Batman, but also I feel like in the previous Batman films, people have taken the Joker to like different and new places. Yeah. Batman's always pretty much the same Completely. style Batman. So I think if I'm going to have to be faced with yet another fucking superhero movie. See, I, I really liked the Nolan Batman. Oh my God, the Nolan Batman films are good. Like they're my probably my favourite, yeah. um, like, I guess, superhero trilogy. Yeah. And I do feel like they completely screwed themselves over by rebooting it so soon with Ben Affleck. And they I were felt so like, naff. And they were just not She very, says having not watched them, but it, I wouldn't watch them. Well, it's just different in tone, isn't it? So I think Don't that care. Robert Pattinson would be interesting also he's got a very nice lower half of his face so he, he would does. sit really well in the cowl i don't know if he has a particularly strong upper face though no but, but they go still handsome, so it's fine but yeah that would work with the bottom bit um can i also just say quickly do you remember that time when army hammer was rumored to be batman brilliant oh. i bet he loved that he was waiting for someone to actually invite him to do it and no what's army if... doing now um i worry for him stuff with his wife isn't um, he in that weird film with Dakota Johnson? Yes, I've completely forgotten what that was. Was that a horror film? Yeah, Cockroach. Is it called Cockroach? I don't think it is. I don't it's something know. weird, isn't it? Well, I haven't watched it. I haven't checked what his IMDb is doing in terms of what he's got upcoming, but no. I hope he's all right. The last thing we saw him in was the thing with... Oh, Keith Stanfield. Uh, Keith, sorry yes, to sir. bother you. Yeah, sorry to bother you. He was you. good in that. Yeah. He was but, all right. Oh, he was quite like he was quite depraved, wasn't he? To be fair, Army Hammer makes a good depraved human being. Yeah, not bad. I don't think he'd be a good Batman. No, I don't think he'd make a particularly great Batman. So um, it'll be interesting to see whether this happens. As long as it's not Nicholas Holt, I'm fine. Me too. So on to things that we've seen or listened to recently um, that we've been enjoying. Our first movie is extremely wicked, shockingly vile and evil. Um, actually, quick sidebar before we do this. We are also going to cover Avengers Endgame, but we're doing that in a separate... A very special episode. episode. Yes. So, because that was not going to take 10 minutes, was it? It was going to take quite a while. Can you imagine if we managed to smash through it in 10 minutes? No, we've never done that. In a, we've never done ha, that. Ha, 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 We can't shut up. But this film that we have mentioned before, so I think we both felt we had to cover, is directed by Joe Berlinger, who previously worked on the some well-known documentaries, including the Ted Bundy tapes, which we've covered before. The film, Extremely Wicked, Shocking and Violent Evil, is based on Liz Kendall's memoir, The Phantom Prince, 
experience my life with Ted Bundy. Liz was Bundy's girlfriend at the time of his um, arrest. So the film stars Zac Efron as Bundy, who we have discussed before in this role. Lily Collins as Kendall. Kaya Scodelero as Bundy's wife. Carol Ann Boone and uh, John Malkovich as Edward Cowart, the presiding judge at Bundy's trial. This was released at the beginning of May on Netflix. So it was a straight to Netflix film. And premise of the film follows, rather than outlining the early years of Bundy's life, like a film like My Friend Dharma, um, for example, or outlining his murders in grisly detail, the film focuses on Bundy's relationship with his girlfriend Liz and the process of him going through to trial and through trial. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you thought? Because I watched it, I think I watched it about a week before you. Yeah. And then you watched it the other day because I was like, I think we should probably talk about it. Because we talked about the trailer on the podcast. We did. We talked Um, about the trailer. We talked about how it had premiered at Sundance at the start of... Or the end of January. Yeah. And we spent a, quite a lot of time talking about whether it's problematic to cast Zach Efron in a role like Ted yeah. Bundy. So I don't think we need to cover that so much again. But I think we were both I don't know I don't know what you thought, but I was kind of I wanted to see this, but not because I really felt like I needed a new Ted Bundy film at no, all. I but mean, I was just really intrigued. Yeah, I mean so the thing is you watched the documentary series that Joe Burlingham did on yeah. Netflix, didn't you? And that was I, fine. I didn't, mostly because of time constraints. I I just didn't have the time to go up to watching that, sorry, yeah, yeah, that yeah. versus other stuff I yeah, wanted yeah, to get yeah, on definitely. with. I mean, I wouldn't say it's like the best. It's not going to make any of my top 10 lists. It was fine. No, I mean, so that's the thing for me is I watched it because um, we were sort of talking about what we'd be covering in this episode and we were like, oh, we should probably address it because it's out. But I, it just wasn't my top priority. And it, no. that, again, wasn't down to the fact that I didn't have time, but it was just like, I would really would rather watch other stuff because I know in my heart of hearts what my reaction to it is going to be. I think the main thing that we were both intrigued by was Zac Efron. Yeah, and the thing is, like, a lot of what had been written post-Sundance had been about his performance and actually, yeah. like, his performance in it, how it was very good. Mm. Um, my issue with the film as a whole is that he is very good. Mm. He does a very good job at straddling this line, like Bundy, between being very charming and very likeable and very appealing, but also, like, he's he uses that to his advantage yeah, yeah, yeah. to actually hide what a manipulative like piece of work he was like vicious violent Mm. sadistic person he was but i just found zach efron so distracting and that comes sexually distracting yeah and that comes from a place that i i really like zach efron but the difference between like my ability to watch a film with someone like jake gyllenhaal in who i obviously adore versus zach efron is that like jake gyllenhaal has this ability to like disappear in a role where you he's sort a very of, very very good actor yeah so i mean i'm using that analogy purely because half the time when you can watch him be a piece of work and you're like oh that person's awful but the thing with Zac efron as ted bundy is it was just like that's Zac efron he's so handsome damn he's handsome like and yeah. and, and the, the tone i think that the film takes particularly is that you're almost i don't want to say encouraged because that could that i don't think they are trying to encourage you to fancy no but, you, him, it's, but but it's the fact that you're like you're encouraged to sort of feel sympathetic towards him somehow because he's so handsome because yeah. because he comes off as quite a likable yeah. affable person 
person and I don't think that's necessarily the intention of the filmmaker no. but it's just for me it was just like and I've had a couple of conversations with people I think I posted online about how I wasn't actually that fussed by the film and a couple of people we know responded mm. and were like did you also feel like you were being encouraged to feel bad for him yeah yeah and I was like yeah I did actually I think you were meant to think of him as like the underdog and like you know so he represents himself in court because yeah. he doesn't believe because he's an arrogant lawyers. prick yeah and I just think that that it, it, the, t- the film for me anyway and that, I guess it could be my reading of it but it did feel a little bit like you're meant to be like oh Ted Bundy he's wacky you know like he's yeah right and I thought it made him seem more I mean obviously he was attractive and charismatic but he was attractive because he was so normal and like yeah. a regular American guy and like you know you compare Ted Bundy to some of the other sort of really well known serial killers out there and like there's such a difference because the other ones are really weird yeah. and are very strange looking or you know they present themselves in very very weird ways yeah. and he didn't do that he was so relaxed all the time he was so normal and that's what attracted people and that's why they couldn't believe he'd do that sort of thing and this just did make him yeah completely and I just handsome. I think I said to you I think I was texting you throughout and I was I think at one point I was like I just don't know who this film is for because yeah. as someone who knows a sizable amount about the Bundy trial and Bundy's case as a mm. whole I was like this isn't actually that interesting because I know that a lot of the things that are presented in it aren't necessarily factually 100% correct yeah, yeah. and I'm not really learning anything new I didn't no. I mean I, I the one thing I will get it, give it credit for is actually you don't see or anything about the actual grisly nature of his murder yeah. Uh, yeah, they've, they've de- very deliberately made the effort not to cover the actual murders. No, and it's only really those court scenes where the prosecution are, you know, detailing what he did yeah, yeah. as a means of shocking <clears throat> the, the jury that you actually really become aware of how grisly it is. And that, and I just didn't like how, you know, there's the, the bit towards the end where Liz goes to visit him in prison. Which oh, I that was a complete fabrication. That's a complete fabrication, like but that in particular is where, so she shows him a picture. You don't see it, but mm. she puts up a picture to the glass which is mm. of one of the mutilated yeah, bodies yeah. of one of his victims mm. and she asks like where's the head yeah. and then he like graphically you see like flashbacks and yeah, then he writes yeah. like hacksaw yeah. and that for me just a bit like oh I don't that's not needed yeah, they did go quite gratuitously and I also part, don't they? know why Liz's decision to give his name to the police is treated as some sort of plot twist as yeah. well because it's like you know, it becomes apparent towards the end that, like, oh, she was the person who initially yeah. tipped off the police that mm. maybe Ted was involved in the case. And that, for me, just felt like such a... I don't know. It just felt like a weird choice. I mean, what did you think? I just... I, yeah. I, I was I was just surprised by, like, how little I was bothered by it. Yeah, I mean, I said to you afterwards, like, have you basically instantly forgotten the whole thing? Because that's what I yeah. did. I, like... Going into this, I was sceptical of a film covering a topic, as you say, that we all know inside out so well. So I was kind of like, what is this film going to do that we don't know already? And I thought it seemed interesting that they were going to focus more on Zach and uh, Liz's relationship. And I thought, okay, well, if if they're really centering in on that relationship, then that is a different angle and that would be interesting. But I actually don't think they do really focus in on that at all. So they spend a quick amount of time at the beginning sort of establishing their relationship. And then I I felt like the the film, as it progressed, like just left Liz behind anyway. So it wasn't about that. I don't know. They said in the plot that it was, you know, the entire thing was supposed to be, you know, more from the perspective 
positive of Liz. It just didn't really do that at all. I feel like I don't you think. don't really get to <clears throat> understand Liz's motivations or Liz as no. a character. She, I would, I was really interested to know, like, oh, okay, well, there's this single mother mm. who you know lives on her own with her daughter, and then she just lets this person into her life. But actually, like, can we interrogate a little bit more about like what she's you like don't, as a person, you don't her motivations? Yeah, you don't why really she... understand why she kept believing him, and, and also she tipped the police off, yeah. so she must have felt something but she still kept going back to him yeah. and there's no I didn't really feel a sense of like didn't really understand why they do that because they hadn't really set up the relationship no. particularly strongly and I thought that was supposed to be the whole point in the film yeah, and too. it more just became like a blow by blow recreation of like the trials and some of the really key scenes from the trial and around the trial are, are things we all know about anyway and you could tell that they were like a like for like representation of what happened I think the thing that I've thought about a lot is actually if you consider Joe Berlinger's documentary series on Netflix mm. as a precursor to this it, it actually makes sense to me how like pedestrian and boring perhaps not the right word mm. but how just uninteresting this mm. film felt because it this I felt imagine like a it, fictional retelling of the Bundy tapes that we'd already listened yeah, to yeah and that's right, what I mean so. that, that's for me what I actually mm. came away thinking like actually do you know what I guess if you actually did like a blow by blow like still by still yeah, yeah. comparison it probably would be really on the money but yeah. actually in terms of like no offence or anything but often court cases are quite boring things to watch yeah and I think the sensational elements about that court case and there were some really unusual things especially in the Bundy tapes like I've heard the transcripts of those happening so I don't need to see Zac Efron doing like a blow by blow recreation of that it's like why I know this happened in real life it was just a bit like fine it wasn't really interesting I don't see anything wrong at all with Zac Efron's casting like I think it was perfectly fine yeah personally I wouldn't say there was anything like particularly spellbinding about that role some reviews were sort of talking about him being you know a really sinister character in it and I didn't really get that I thought he just played the like the normal you know a a complete psychopath playing a normal person pretty well fine Um, I think I've probably been more interested in Zach and Lily's like press junkets than I have the actual but um, and I guess one thing that's interesting you were saying like they don't really feature the the murder scenes or you know the details of the murders which I think is good and was an interesting angle however there is still a complete because they've done that there is a a complete lack of coverage or mention of the victims at all like we don't know anything about the victims in this because it's um, about him again isn't it it feels very one-sided and actually the thing that made me most irate about that complete lack of the victims and the, you know, which is probably why people might, as you say, like if you feel like the film leads people to sympathise with Bundy, it probably is. Like, it doesn't help that there's a complete lack of, like... No. and uh, so Not seeing those victims or hearing about those victims means you almost forget that he... That's the, the stuff yeah. that he's done. Yeah, and I think there's a, a bit of a disconnect between the person and his crimes and there's something quite galling about the fact that, like, at the end, you see the list of his victims' mm-hmm. names. But it's like, the thing is, he murdered a significant amount of people in that we know ways. about yeah. in a really awful ways. And to kind of... I don't know, the tone of the film just felt so disconnected from the fact that <laughs> it's quite striking when you see that list yeah. of victims and yeah. you're just like holy shit he actually like, yeah it was a retelling people. of a dramatic murder trial basically yeah. um, it wasn't didn't really cover anything else so I don't I don't think generally I was I just found it quite forgettable it was fine um, um, can we just talk about one thing in particular yes this was the last thing that I wanted to talk about um, so we've already addressed how distracting it is when Zac Efron is in this film and mm-hmm. he's playing Ted Bundy would you like to talk about another distracting thing that happened in this film there were two go on one of them is James Hetfield I think my favourite thing about watching this, actually the most enjoyable thing I got out of watching this was sitting and being really annoying and texting you 
every time someone random appeared like, on the screen. Why is this person in this and film? And I was like, within the first ten minutes, Bundy's arrested, <coughs> and you see him in a like pris- a police interrogation room, and a, a policeman comes in, and I glanced upon the screen, and I thought to myself, hmm, is that? James Hetfield from Metallica. Uh, yes, it is. And so I confirmed on IMDb, and it was indeed James Honestly. Hetfield. Um, Do you think J- James Hetfield was just like, I really want to be in this film. Can I have a little role? Isn't he? He's mates with Joe Berlinger anyway, I think. I have a feeling that, um, yeah, they're pals. I don't think I'd want to hang out with anyone friends with James Hetfield, to be well, honest. This is not Lars Ulrich. Um, that was, yeah, that's true. Very distracting, though. But there was another distraction, wasn't there? What happens if I say the following word to you? Bazinga. Bazinga. <laughs> I did it as well the whole way. Yeah, so Sheldon Cooper, a.k.a. Uh, Jim Parsons, is in this film as, what's he, the prosecutor? Yeah, I feel quite bad yeah. for Jim Parsons because... Bazinga. Bazinga. The fact that you are going to be forever more typecast... or as Sheldon or, Cooper. Or in, in people's minds as Sheldon Cooper. Bazinga. Bazinga. Is truly a barrier to one's life that I don't think you can ever overcome. No. I mean, he's probably really rich and making bank and they've just... The season finale ever... But as soon as you bank. hear his voice you're just like that Sheldon Cooper he was in something else I watched as well not Bazinga. And, Bazinga and I I just can't when he's on screen I'm sure he's a nice guy but Bazinga yeah Bazinga through the entire film Wes just kept going Bazinga it's like Bazinga I just, just please don't cast him in serious things no can't do it I'm so sorry Jim Parsons this is your life now I hope I mean you made serious bang on Big Bang Theory so I'm sure you're fine but you, you can't do anything serious Bazinga ever. Ultimately, just very forgettable. It's fine. I've forgotten about it already. Actually, do you know what the most memorable thing for me was? Bazinga, so... That's all I'm going to remember of this film. Bazinga. Just a quick mention for me, (laughs) for reasons that I won't go into. You're a big Pokemon fan. Uh, Yeah, I went and saw Detective Pikachu. How was it? Please Um, tell me all. So, I didn't choose this film, but I went... You're so selfless. On behalf of someone else. Yes, it was my selfless act of the week. It's a Pikachu film, isn't it? It's a Pokemon film. What's your favourite Pokemon? I think this film helped in that Bulbasaur is very cute. The garlic in one. The film, yeah, the garlic one. Because they basically sound a bit like guinea pigs in the film. Yeah. So they're really cute and make little like chirpy noises. Mm-hmm. Very sweet. I forgot. There's a really terrifying bit where they have Ditto. Do you remember Ditto? Oh, Ditto's not nice. Who like, no. It's a little round bot. No. Those li- I don't think so. Which one's get? Which one's Gengar? Gengar's like quite big and purple and terrifying looking. You not, know Gengar. Re- yeah, not really. Ditto's a weird one. Um, so there's a bit in the film actually where Ditto impersonates a bunch of people. And Ooh. of course, whenever Ditto impersonates someone, like its eyes just turn into little black buttons. And it was fucking terrifying. But um, apart from that... Ditto um, looks how I feel. Yeah, that is literally me every day after eating lunch. Just being big fat and bloated can i please get your hot take on whether you prefer ryan reynolds as an actor of his own accord or if you would rather watch all films that ryan reynolds is in with him as pikachu i would rather watch him as pikachu forever so like imagine i don't like ryan reynolds so imagine watching that jake gyllenhaal ryan reynolds from life but instead of ryan reynolds it's pikachu would you've enjoyed it more yes good i'm that's how i would like all ryan reynolds films to yes be, I, think. I think i can just about deal with ryan reynolds voice but uh i'm let down as soon as his entire body and everything else comes into the equation oh i'm, um, I'm really glad you saw it uh yeah i'm thrilled and it was fine i can see why people have given it like fairly positive reviews because it's not shit and it could easily be shit but I wouldn't say it's like amazing. It's quite heartfelt. It's got its hearts in the right place, but 
the plot is extremely standard. So that's all I have to say about it, really. Wait, who is your favourite Pokemon? I really... I mean, I do like... I like Pikachu quite a lot. I like the um, the ones that are like foxes. Yeah, I can't remember what they're e- called. Eevee? No. Eevee, yeah. Is it Eevee? I quite like those ones because yeah. they're just quite cute. Yeah. Um, In terms of like random ones, I do like Bulbasaur. It's a bit weird, isn't it? Bulbasaur's very cute. I think um, I like the water ones quite oh, the a lot. water ones. Squirtle's Squirtle quite cute. One. There's no Squirtle on this film, I don't think. Really? I don't really remember there being any Squirtle. But um, oh my God, we've talked about Pokemon for too this long. Let's move on. Pokemon Let's move on because I don't care enough to talk about it any longer. Go on. So, moving on from the delight of Pokemon onto uh, more serious things in the TV front. We both recently finished Pose season yes, one. Yes, finally. Um, the timing of this is quite funny because it was announced that Pose season two... It's season two. It's literally like next month or ...will something. be airing in the States from June 11th. Um, Wild. It's worth saying that we only just got season one of Pose in the UK in mm. March. We'd been really looking forward to and also were just quite intrigued by seeing, especially mm-hmm. around awards season for TV front. That Billy Paul was in the headlines everywhere and like I hadn't actually seen him in this yet which so. was like really frustrating so Pose is created by Ryan Murphy Brad Fulchuk and Steve Cannells and the series stars an ensemble cast including MJ Rodriguez Dominique Jackson Billy Porter Evan Peters Kate Mara James Van Der Beek India Moore Ryan Jamal Swain Charlene Woodward Dion Birdside Hallie Sahar um, Angelica Ross and Angel Bismarck Curiel amongst others um, it's set in 1987 to 88 and looks at and this is a quote the juxtaposition of several segments of life and society in New York the african-american and latino ball culture world the downtown social literary scene and the rise of the yuppie the series focuses on ball culture in new york city so there are two main ball houses that are featured you've got the house of evangelista and then the spin-off house of abundance I guess if you don't know a huge amount about ballroom culture and the concept of like ball houses, mm-hmm. it's something that if you are into the sort of drag and like RuPaul's Drag Race, for mm-hmm. example, if that's mm-hmm. something that's in your wheelhouse, um, the concept of like having houses, that's mm-hmm. something that runs throughout drag culture oh, is it? as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, because a lot of um, drag queens will come from specific drag houses where okay. they have a drag mother. So this is something because I'm not very engaged in this culture at all. So these are things... This is all basically new to me actually so I came to this TV show not knowing much at all which I think is interesting because I think my my knowledge of like ball culture mm. purely comes out of getting into drag and, yeah, and through yeah, yeah. RuPaul's Drag Race so it's interesting how those kind of like mm, rows mm, meet mm. up so houses as kind of a concept serve as alternative families primarily consisting of black and Latinx gay gender non-conforming and transgender youths mm. and are meant to be safe spaces houses are often led by mothers and fathers providing guidance and support for their house children house members walk i.e. compete for trophies prizes and glory at events known as balls which is something that is incredibly prevalent in, in pose that's mm. what the show revolves around mm-hmm. um, the first season itself was met with positive reviews upon its premiere um, and it's had lots of award nominations including golden globe for best tv series and billy porter in particular was nominated for best actor at the golden globes and like i said season one only started airing here i'm actually quite frustrated that we're now going to have to wait ages for season two yeah unless we watch it through nefarious means but then it won't look as good on it's the a TV. bloody faff that it is a real faff what are your overall feelings on the show um how many episodes are there eight ten i can't remember now i think I there are eight i remember eight i, I think, think there are eight I think so you, right. you finished it recently and then i, I think we finished it the week before you mm-hmm. did so yeah what did you I ended up of... binging it in the end i think i watched like five episodes back to back so going into this i was a little bit skeptical i thought it sounded 
really interesting and I had kind of heard already that it was you know the largest ever transgender cast for a scripted show and that also a lot of these trans women were of women of color as well which is really notable and it just sounded it sounded like it was going to be really really good um I was skeptical because Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk are you know of Glee, of American Horror Story, they have a very Brad Project. Sorry, is um, married to Gwyneth Paltrow. Did you know that? No, I didn't know Isn't that. that weird? Gwyneth, really? Yeah. No, I didn't know that at all. Little, That's little. really interesting. No, it, it truly is the Ryan Murphy of it all, though. It really is. Oh, it really is. Yeah, they have a certain way of doing things, and it is extremely OTT. Like I don't. When I think of OTT, Brian Murphy, I Brian Ryan Murphy, I think of like Scream Queens. I feel like you know the whole point of you know. Um, 80s ballroom culture you know it is very exaggerated mm-hmm. and OTT and I didn't want them to be OTT about that like I yeah, didn't want them complete. to get silly same because same. they are so guilty of doing silly things in shows like Scream Queens and being overly campy with things but in not a good way yeah, not a natural so, way um, just what I thought was quite interesting actually so mm-hmm. you and I have engaged and watched Ryan Murphy based content before yes. but Thomas on the flip side hasn't ever like mm. he never watched glee he watched the f- did he watch like the first season of american horror story mm. so he comes from a, a more of an outside perspective in that he doesn't understand how ryan murphy can be very ryan murphy yes and his when we watched the first episode mm-hmm. i was a bit like mm, this has potential i was also feeling but that it's way. very ryan murphy but tom off the bat yeah. was like i love this want to watch more and it's yeah. very interesting that i think when you have that preconceived apprehension yeah. based on someone's prior work how actually you you and just pick up on such stuff. a particular style yeah, yeah, that yeah, is, yeah. you know and they've never really dropped that style no. before and i so i felt very much the same thing and i thought you know i haven't seen ryan murphy do a a drama of real quality before dare mm-hmm. i say it um so i f- saw the first episode i like you i thought it was good but i was sort of a little bit undecided still i felt a little bit like maybe They'd sort of front-ended a lot of drama um, and pathos quite early. And I kind of didn't feel fully invested in people yet to sort of feel really emotional about, you know, what was going on in their lives. I was like, I've only just met these people and I'm supposed to be crying, basically. And I kind of felt like, oh, I hope they don't rush this. Thankfully, the rest of it was just fantastic and has just completely just exceeded my expectations, really. The characterization in this show is just absolutely wonderful. The cast is just amazing. And to have so many standout performances and fully fleshed out characters in in a show of like eight episodes is just Isn't it? phenomenal. It's crazy to me. And I think that's that was my biggest takeaway was actually I was incredibly blown away by the way that Ryan Murphy has been able to take a show like this and present it in a way where like all of the characters are so well-rounded you understand their motivations good or bad you understand their personal circumstances you you root for them you know what I mean like you know you can really get behind characters you have a reaction to them you want to see you want to see what happens to them you want to you you really emote yeah you really do like for example you know like um, Billy Porter as Pray Tell so yeah just you know his storyline with his boyfriend and his I mean there's going to be some 
spoilers in here, but you know his storyline is amazing. I, I think the thing is as well is that with when you're kind of covering a subject, I mean the thing because it's set in late eighties, it's like an obvious, obvious, obvious through line throughout the whole yeah. series is like the AIDS, crisis the AIDS crisis and the impact yeah. that that has within LGBT community mm-hmm. and actually you know how that perhaps affects the way they go about engaging in relationships. Mm-hmm. You know whether they ignore the fact that they are at risk of perhaps contracting yeah. disease or if they've got it like what do they mm-hmm. do and and you know also addresses things about you know what it can be like to exist as a member of the trans community yeah. and you know the impact that that has on you and actually a thing that I found very interesting as well is actually how that within the wider LGBT mm. community there yeah. are actually like there's one episode where Blanca and um, he's played by MJ Rodriguez wants to go to a bar but yeah. it's like a gay yeah. bar but it's a, ma- a, a gay bar that's for men only yeah, yeah. and she's and like being really like, and they're being very 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 disparaging <coughs> transphobic because she's transphobic yeah. because she's trans they're being extremely transphobic and it's one of those things where it's like oh actually like, you, you never see this you don't, you never, and you don't no you don't think I wouldn't as someone who doesn't belong to either of those communities, yeah. like I wouldn't know that as much. But to platform have, that yeah. in, a, in a way where actually kind of does make you think about the fact that, like, like any kind of you know yeah. communities that exist, yeah. there are going to be you know yeah, these tensions. Up, isn't yeah, there? yeah, absolutely. I loved that it spoke of you know really universal themes like love and family and trauma and destiny, but within a subculture that you know some people might not be aware of, some people haven't heard of at all. And, you know, within a community that's really, as you say, like rarely represented. So you're you're looking at all of these bigger themes within a community that hasn't had a lot of air time, which I thought was great. And it does introduce it to a wider audience. Yeah. And I like the way that each of the episodes as well, I think it would be really easy to just have episodes that are solely like oh we're a ball we're a ball we're a ball but actually what I thought was interesting is that each episode features the ball the ball but also it builds out from that it's like okay well these are these people that that's kind of the backdrop yeah they come together in this forum every week or to kind of you know compete Mm. against each other but actually like what are the things that they're doing in their everyday lives? Like, mm. what other things are they facing? What else are they engaging with? And I mm. thought that was really interesting. Like, that was when I talk about it being like well rounded. That I think is one of the 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 things it does so well. Mm. Is it actually kind of makes you think like, oh, this is this fun thing yeah. that they're going and doing and they're really good at. But actually, mm. like, what are they doing for the there's other? so much other shit going on? Yeah. yeah, this is their one relief, really, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Why? Why is? Why do they find? going and competing in the ball to be such a positive release Mm. for them Mm. because actually what is the other stuff they're perhaps dealing with or carrying around with Mm. and I just yeah I think that it was just really it's like when you say about it widening kind of the audiences I feel like this is you know again you know this is a tv show that's going to be really popular and is going to get a lot of airtime so there might be a lot of viewers out there who end up watching it where they wouldn't usually watch mm. something like this maybe because they're ryan murphy fans or whatever like it will i guess in the same way that drag race i imagine has yeah. you know done so introduces people to um a, a subculture that they weren't aware of but also yeah you know reminds them of the struggles that other people are having yeah so it was really interesting as you say that everyone had a sort of a struggle to tell and that they were 
all quite sympathetic characters, even the ones that were kind of less likable. So, you know, even Stan, who works at like Trump mm. Towers, you know, he feels he feels lost. He feels like he doesn't fit in anyway. Yeah. He doesn't. He feels like he's weird. And I thought that was really interesting. And this idea that there was even in the ball within the ball culture, there was a certain level of like expectation within that community. And, you know, if you didn't always fit within those sort of expectations within your sort of miniature society, there was criticism there as well. Like it's a place where you can be yourself, but also there are moments where, you know, you don't fit into the right category, so you can't be in that category. And I thought that was really interesting. And I'd read, there was a Vulture article by Matt Zoller-Seitz, who was talking about that. Uh, yeah, he talked about how everyone is trying to be themselves within society's expectations. So he says... Episode after episode catalogues the myriad of ways in which people, some of them marginalised and keenly aware of their marginalisation, reflexively demand that others conform to a particular vision of what should be, instead of letting them be whatever it is they are inclined to be. There's no exact one-to-one correlation between the dialogue's constant chatter about butch versus femme and the necessity of body transformation and the scenes that outline the predicaments of straight or straight-presenting characters. Although Pose is obsessed with storytelling neatless in other ways, it's wisely content to keep this juxtaposition more open-minded. But the gist is still unmistakable. Human beings from all walks of life are constantly mistaking conditioning and social expectations for destiny and trying to fight their way out of that emotional quicksand over the course of years or decades if in fact they recognize the danger at all so i just yeah i thought that it was really interesting how it is, it is yeah it? with even within that community there are expectations and ways to behave and everyone's trying to fight and find yeah. their own place and I, I just i think that's one of the things that i just felt was so well handled mm-hmm. is actually like addressing that there are these tensions because i think it yeah. would be really remiss from an outside perspective to kind of work under the assumption that actually like oh the, this banner of like the lgbt yeah. community is kind of like any type well, as of you community. say like you know a gay bar won't let a trans woman in like, yeah that's... and it's it's interesting you know i think it's because you, you you sort of perhaps do overlook from a i guess you know relative um position of privilege mm. the fact that there are kind of tensions within yeah. the community that you perhaps wouldn't necessarily become aware of mm. unless you were within that community and participating mm. and having to engage and come up against mm. those tensions so yeah, i thought that like and... that was i thought was just very 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 interesting i mean i i, I really liked the show i like, thought I, it was great i just like the balance of sort of comedy and I don't want to say sadness it's not sadness but it's sort of a balance of dark and light really like comedy and tragedy there were you know every episode there were parts that made me feel so sort of happy but that but then I was always kind of reduced to tears in the end I thought that think that's why the balance works so well because actually you do get this darkness that these characters are experiencing you know you've got people who do pass away Mm. um from AIDS you do have things like you know Blanca for example you see her going back to her family after her mother has died died, and you see the you know the fact that her family aren't accepting of who she is Mm. as a person or and her lifestyle and what Mm. she does and that's they're quite intense Mm. you know upsetting things to have to kind of witness someone going through but at the same time you do get the kind of the more light-hearted comedic Mm. sort of stuff and I think that's actually what I thought worked really really well because it would be really easy to make a show like this that is either on the one hand super over the top and flamboyant and it's like really playing up like really Ryan Murphy yeah really Ryan Murphy really playing up the ballroom side of stuff but then also doing something that's just very grim there's something that's really really dour really depressing really just focusing on the negative side of Mm. stuff and I was quite surprised that 
given it's Ryan Murphy, mm. they were able to yeah. he was able to balance it and so it was well. That sense of family, I think, above everything yeah. else, just rises to the top. Like you truly believe that these people are family. There are people, you know, by the end that have come round in terms of their character arc and you're just surprised that they've gone from being, you know, a bit of an asshole to actually they remember what family is all about and that's yeah, you just really get that sense through that whole thing. I'm really I'm looking forward to seeing the second season because it just totally surprised me. It just, I was not expecting it to be as good as it was. No, me neither. And um, yeah, I hope we get it sooner rather than later. Me too. So moving on to music, mm-hmm. um, there are a few things that I think we wanted to touch upon. Mm-hmm. From my point of view, um, I've been really enjoying the new Vampire Weekend record, uh, Father oh, yeah. of the Bride. That um, was trending a lot. It came it? out at a weekend when the weather like wasn't so great. And it was such, I always consider Vampire Weekend to be like a peak summer band for me. Yeah. They remind me of a very specific time in life. Like for me, there was like towards the tail end of my of my university years, mm-hmm. and they just remind me of being at uni, and the weather being mm-hmm. nice. So that mm-hmm. was really good. I've also been really enjoying uh, the new Mac DeMarco record, Here Comes Cowboy, um, and most importantly, yesterday I had the delightful experience of the the new National album. Oh, did that come out yesterday? Yeah, I didn't realise. Yesterday even was truly an emotive day for me. It was, oh. there was the new national record, I Am Easy to Find. Um, I had the privilege of seeing them live last month where they played the, the album and I watched the film that accompanies the record that's directed by Mike Mills, which I think we maybe have talked about. Mm, yeah, um, I think we but did. it was really nice to have the album itself physically at my disposal. It's a gut puncher. Oh. I could clearly wax lyrical about how much this band means to me and how actually the timing of this album is so impeccable like everything they do like i just well timed yeah just really needed it and yeah. it's it's amazing but also yesterday it was also the release of the most recent carly ray jepsen album oh yes which truly which i haven't listened to no so it's yeah. um dedicated um obviously this is like first initial hot take because mm-hmm. we're recording this on Saturday and mm-hmm. they came out literally yesterday but I was working from home yesterday and I was honestly dosing between like doing the, the National album feeling extremely bummed out and I was sad I say that's quite a juxtaposition yeah. really Kylie Rae Jepsen and the National and then I would like follow it up by listening to the, the Kylie Rae Jepsen Stop album and down. which is just like pop bangers it's truly like highs and Lovely. lows of emotions um so that's where i'm at at the moment was there anything Great. you wanted to only a couple of small things nothing big drab majesty who are sort of a la post-punk band um released a new song ellipsis last no not last i think eight no it was yeah it was in april which i hadn't realized they'd released actually until the other week and it's taken from their full-length album um modern mirror that's coming out i think in july so i was listening to that which is really good i really like drab majesty anyway and uh it's just like a couple of songs really jenny beth from savages i really like savages um and her partner johnny hostile have put out a song called let it out which is part of the score that they've done for xy chelsea which is the new documentary about chelsea manning um and that's quite nice as well i really like that jenny beth's got quite a few side projects really but I've always got time for her I think she's great and also I texted you this morning because I couldn't work out whether I liked the new Halsey song Nightmare which I think I do like but in a way that I'm probably going to forget about it next week Um, I before you got here today I was listening to it on the interweb Um, I quite like it it sounds I don't know like it should be the Veronica's or something I don't know I I like it I don't think I'll remember it but I think we talked about that when you said to me like what do you think of Halsey and I was like well I think I love her but I don't find her massively memorable. I no. find vocally she reminds me a lot of other musicians. I, I think I like her more as a like a, an individual person. Yeah, so she's a likable person. Yeah. But 
but like musically it's not like standout no I don't think I ever really like when I hear her songs I'm nice. like oh that's a housey song is it cool didn't know that yeah yeah so yeah well this is this is called Nightmare this is yeah it's fun I quite like it and um, just, I really wanted to quickly flag up that I also start. I watched the first episode of Chernobyl, oh. which is this five-part drama starring Jared Harris, Stellan Kars- Skarsgård, and Jesse Buckley, who's in Beast. Um, I've only seen one episode of it so far. Uplifting, was Whoa, it? That's grueling. Oh, really good though. Really I, gripping. I saw it on. Um, I think I logged into Now TV, and it was there. And I was like, Oh God, I really want to watch this. It's but... so dark, but it's it's good. It's Jared just, Harris is very good. Yeah. In in anything I find. Jared Harris was in the terror. That yeah, I, he's yeah. um he's in Mad Men for a bit and he's very, very I think he's very underrated. Yes, I think so too. He's one of those people that turns up in stuff and you're like, Oh, he's really oh, he's good. good. Yeah. yeah. So I'll I'll probably talk about that when I've watched the whole thing, but it seems very good so far. I think it's gonna be a very highly rated kind of T V thing to come out this year and i've just been carrying on watching game of thrones which I'm oh yeah sure we mention. can um we can do an a, we like can a, touch on it what, shall we do a i i'm willing to agree to do a <laughs> five minute game of thrones bit next episode yeah that's fine when the finale has aired and yeah. it's out of our lives that sounds good Trevor. Okay. that sounds great so because we are doing our Avengers episode of its own accord, mostly because we, we thought... We couldn't fit it into this really, could we? It would just be too... Well, it just would have just been like 10 hours long and no yeah. one would have Four listened. Four hour podcast. The quite. only people that would have listened would have been my mum and like Vaughn. Yeah. Who's on, on the it. episode. So, so that would yeah. have been weird. So we just to acknowledge the fact that, yes, we will be doing an Avengers episode. It is not in this episode, as you have probably concluded by this point, if you listened this far. <laughs> yes. um, but look out for that. It will go up at some point soon, I'm sure. So the only thing to conclude with is Obsession of the Week. You can go first this okay. time. It's hard because this is the peak. This happens every year. May is the time in which I don't have much personal life because there's so much going on at work. It's a very, very hectic time for me. So I felt like I haven't had a lot of time to obsess over anything, to be honest. I don't think that's true. Um, what, what do you think I've been obsessing over? I mean, Thick Thor has been a good time. <laughs> and you can hear more about that in this other episode. So Just Chris Hemsworth, really. Um, and also that Men in Black trailer came on Ooh. again before Detective Pikachu. And we Just, saw it before Avengers. And before well. Avengers. I'm just really loving that image of Chris Hemsworth with a giant gun just like firing from his crotch. That and was, Tessa Thompson. And Tessa. So that's a real... I mean, for a film that's probably not going to be that great, there are two very strong reasons to go and see it. Also, happy birthday, Trent Reznor. Um, he was 54 yesterday. 54? <laughs> what a babe. Damn. Yeah, what a hottie. Um, also, I'm a new Sophie Turner stan. And yes. um, this is, I did spend, I was late to work at one point this week because I spent ages, you know, have you ever, do you ever like go for a wee and then spend like 20 minutes on the toilet because you're just looking on Twitter? I mean, yes, all the time. Yes. Well, that's what I did with this because I ended up just watching loads of Sophie Turner videos and being like, she's having a lot of fun. Can I tell you a thing about Sophie Turner? Yeah. Is that I didn't like her at all aggressively, yeah. like quite aggressively, aggressively like just didn't, like thought Aww. she was really annoying. And then I don't know what happened. But I suddenly did a 180 and I was like, actually, I want to be a best friend. She's really fun. She, she seems, seems like, like a, a lot time. of fun. And what's her name? What's Aria's name in real life? Maisie Mi- Williams. Maisie Williams. They look like they have the best time together. Maisie Williams is from Bristol and loves raving. She really does. She's like a she's, peak Bristol thing, Yeah, that it really is. But um, I think I really like Sophie Turner. I, I think she's pretty her. like... She got married recently. Congrats. She got married. I think she's pretty chill. Yeah. I think she's pretty chill and pretty funny. I like that video of her at the Rangers game. Where oh my she, God. When she does, basically she does gets, a dab. She, da- she loves dabbing. She loves dabbing. And I'm so pro-dabbing. I love dabbing. Like, with adults. I love it. 
Thank you. A little dab. Yes, that Rangers game when she just downs that wine. I think she downs some wine. She that is... some, it, she's got like a tumbler of wine and she necks it. And just my favourite part wine. is when she's necking it and it just dribbles down her chin and she and just, just like, aggressively it off. I, yeah, I, was, I think that was a turning point. And that Vogue video of her like, how to change a tyre on my car. Legend. So good. Um, what's yours? Mine is twofold. Number uh, one. Is Chris Evans. Yes. And his butt. Chris Evans. Captain America's ass. Captain America's butt. And Chris Evans, generally. Um, we will talk more about this in the Avengers episode. But, and I think he was my obsession of the week in episode 30. Every but episode. The thing is, I just love him so much that this has truly been a, a um, high and low time for me because you get Chris Evans on the Avengers press circuit, yeah. which is like joy. And a then, lovely man. But also with the knowledge that he's never going to do an Avengers press circuit again, which is oh. like deeply upsetting because oh. he's so good on it. He's just been very good on Twitter recently. He's been sharing loads of behind the scenes stuff from Avengers he also threw in two pictures of his dog this week oh lovely Evans. dog content Dodger Evans is like top five celebrity dog I love that he's got the same surname though also I discovered this week that he calls his dog Bubba which oh. makes me make my heart hurt oh Bubba anyway I love him so much he's got the nice face and nice butt um, also Keanu Reeves oh yes so Keanu Reeves here's the thing I too much criticism and just to April's absolute dismay I just don't um, know how you managed to keep don't really get young Keanu Reeves like, you I don't just... get Keanu Reeves at all I, I think I get him more with long hair. John Wick, Keanu Reeves, I so my, sort of understand more. So, like, Keanu Reeves with puppies, I can see that. Great content um, this week, given that John Keanu Wick 3 Reeves, is coming out. no. Okay. So, John Wick 3 is on the horizon. Actually, I think it's out. And it, um, it just meant that Keanu Reeves has been doing a lot of press. It has... Um, there was a brilliant... He's a funny chap, isn't he? I think he's actually He's just, weird. He's weird, but he's also very normal. My favourite thing about Keanu Reeves is that he's notoriously known in Hollywood as just being very down to earth, very likeable, he's very pleasant, he gives away a lot of his money, he lives in a very small apartment because he doesn't feel the need to have lots of money. Oh um, he there's a brilliant That's very sweet. There's a brilliant clip of him on the Curl Bear show where he's asked what happens Oh my god, yeah this when was a we lot. die and he says bearing in mind if you know anything about Keanu Reeves he's had and a really horrible life, past. He's had a really rough time and he says I know the ones that we leave behind will miss us or something to, along those lines and it absolutely punched me in the guts. So sad. Um, and then he's also been doing a lot of BuzzFeed video of him being interviewed whilst playing with puppies. That which, was very good. That's just. Hey, I linked you to lot. that as well. Give me credit. And, well, I was surprised. I, I just, you know. I, I just think he's really nice. He does seem nice. And he's handsome, and he's fifty-four. He what is, is that? handsome. I prefer him with longer hair. Which makes me laugh because you don't like Sebastian Stan with long I hair. I was literally about to say Bucky Barnes shouldn't have long hair. He looks like Bucky Barnes. Like they have the same. This is what baffles me. They don't. They look so different. Are you kidding me? Bucky has got long hair and a beard. Oh, yeah, Keanu Reeves okay. has long hair and a beard. What's your deal? There are different subtleties of beard, Go April. On. I just think I think Keanu Reeves's hair is a bit fuller. Do you think um, he dyes his hair? It's less drab. No, you don't think he think he's naturally that black. Suit? Yeah, I like okay. to think. I like I to think, think that. Come on now. I don't know if Keanu um, Reeves can be bothered to dye his hair. No, I don't think he can be bothered. To he's dye just his so hair. handsome. I but, just think he's really nice. I want to hang. Yeah, he's we'll nice. A Keanu hang. Okay. We'll arrange that. Can we get, get Keanu on the phone? Guest on the show. Yeah, brilliant. I reckon I'm sure he'd do it. I reckon, the chance. I reckon if we could get to him, he would be so down Well, I'm afraid it. I don't know his agent's email address, April. Well, that's the thing that you need to do this week. Okay, that's some future research. 
Um, so that's us done. Uh, remember to look out for the Avengers episode. But if you want to find us online, you can find us on Twitter at the thirst, soundcloud.com forward slash the thirst pod. You can subscribe and review us on Apple's podcast by searching for the thirst. Our Instagram handle is at the thirst pod. Um, the name of our blog is the thirstpod.wordpress.com. And you can also email us at the thirstpod at gmail.com. Goodbye. Bye. Hey, this is Liz. Hey, this is Heather. And we are Nerdy Bitches Podcast. A show where two geeky ladies podcast their way through pop culture. From movies and TV to our regular book club and everything in between, we bring you our favorite fandoms with a feminine eye. We are talking Star Wars, Star Trek, DC Marvel, comic books, and anime. And don't forget sci-fi, fantasy, action movies, video games, D&D, board games, and so much more. Be sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you find awesome podcasts. You can also find us hanging out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and at nerdybitches.com. See you soon.